from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to the St. Patrick's edition of CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Luis Martinez, uh, who is with Trinity University here in San Antonio. Thank you for joining us, Luis. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, and so you may be wondering why, uh, if you're this is a cybersecurity radio program, we have on a, a member of the administration uh, from a university, but we will get to that here during the program. If this is your first time listening to CyberTalk Radio, uh, we cover uh, all things from uh, super nerdy, technical, hands-on, talking about drones and uh, fancy security all the way through to uh, the education and entrepreneurship and how all of this is uh, working together to build a, a technology ecosystem and then to help us uh, drive awareness in cybersecurity across uh, all of these areas. So uh, if you are going to be turning off your radio here shortly, uh, you can catch our rebroadcast and replay online on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Or if you uh, enjoy podcasts on your iPhone or Android device, you will find us uh, in your favorite podcasting app as well. So, uh, Luis, what do you work on at Trinity University? So um, I'm the Director for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Trinity University. Um, Trinity is a uh, residential, highly selective University here in San Antonio. Uh, we have uh, select programs in the liberal arts as well as professional programs in business and education. And we're really excited about the things that we're building out in entrepreneurship. Um, it's something that came out of work that had been done in both engineering and comp side, but it's something that embraces the entire institution. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship requires folks across every discipline and uh, degree program for certain. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that makes our programs very unique. Um, so while many university entrepreneurship focuses problems will be focused on um, you know, problems in computer science or tech transfer that comes out of the disciplines and the sciences. Um, ours is unique in the sense that our mission is to make every student more entrepreneurial. Um, and so it's regardless of whether or not we've got students that are majoring in English or history or sociology, or urban studies. If you're interested at all in starting your thing, uh, regardless of your major, we're a university-wide initiative that helps make everyone more entrepreneurial and innovative. Yeah, and so for those in the listening audience that may not be familiar with Trinity here in town, so if you're driving down 281, um, headed up from maybe 1604, and you're going along there on your way to a Spurs game or uh, into downtown, and you see this brick tower off on your right, is kind of you, you pass the Hildebrand area there. Um, that's your, your campus, correct? Yeah, that is. That's actually the second location we had here in San Antonio. Uh, we were brought here actually in 1942 um, from... Uh, Waxahachie, Texas, um, and before that, that was actually our second city. Our first city, we, the university was founded in 1869 in Tawakana, Texas. Uh, they then moved around 1900, 1902 or so to Waxahachie, and then we were invited back in the 1940s uh, to the city of San Antonio by the Chamber of Commerce to help uh, fulfill higher education needs here in San Antonio. So we're one of sort of, we're the newcomer relative to the older institutions here in town, St. Mary's, Incarnate Word, and we were brought here by the chamber to help um, increase the number of educational opportunities that are available for folks in San Antonio. And so from that sort of genesis of our institution back in the 1940s serving this place, uh, in the 1980s we went uh, through a tremendous shift uh, to become a highly selective residential liberal arts and sciences. And uh, we're one of the most selective colleges in the United States. Uh, we're ranked 
nationally, you know, number one, number two in the state of Texas is the kind of premier elite institution in the state. Yeah. So uh, for for those in our regular listening audience, they uh, may not know this, but I'm sure that they know some of the output of uh, on some entrepreneurship that's uh, come from Trinity over time. So there were three college kids back in 1996, 1997 there that started a company uh, here in San Antonio. Yeah, there was a, a tiny company that uh, people might heard, have heard about. Uh, I believe it's called Rackspace, I think was the name of the company. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're super excited about the, the great success that all of our alumni have had. Rackspace is a tremendous example of how, you know, this fantastic talent that was brought together by Trinity went off and created this 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 great company that's changed the city. Um, but we've had alumni that have gone on and had great successes, you know, around the world. We've had, um, if anyone here is a loves Kind Bars, that's an alum of ours as well. So Daniel Lebetsky is the founder of the Kind um, Bars and, and that company. Uh, we've had incredible successes as well by um, alumni who've had, you know, companies that have gone public in Kansas City. We've got alumni who've started companies and done great things in San Francisco. We're just super proud of the work that our alumni have done. Yeah. So so you've been working an entrepreneurship program there for a while, not all the way back when Dirk and, and Pat uh, were founding Rackspace. Uh, no, this is a relatively recent uh, development. So Entrepreneurship at Trinity really has a, has a 10-year history. Um, I came on board about five years ago. Um, after my predecessor, Cristal Glanchai, went off to go ahead and found Venture Lab, which is a phenomenal educational um, entrepreneurship company that's really focused on that sort of K through 12 and girls. Um, her book's coming out actually this next year, so we're super excited about her success. Um, so in the last five, seven years, um, we've decided that a, a really critical component of contemporary education is to help students get something started from scratch. So while universities do a great job um, training people to go immediately into already established organizations. Like, where's that critical need in starting something from nothing? And so our entrepreneurship program is really focused on that critical problem. How do you start something from nothing? And what makes our program unique is, aside from serving students from every major, um, we're also interested in getting them started as early as possible. So, like, at our program, we have students as young as 18, starting their freshman year of college, who are starting and running and operating their own companies. And then the third thing that makes it sort of really unique is that we're industry agnostic. So it doesn't matter to us whether or not you want to start a taco truck or a tech company. Um, they're all equal. They're all welcome. We're excited to have you start something for the first time with us because we're really interested in creating a safe space to fail. And when it comes to tech and when it comes to sort of cybersecurity and, and, and that, um, if we can have students start building something for the first time with us, and then see the value of going and developing something in a, an emerging market or something that, that, that really solves other problems in other sectors, that for us is a win for us. Yeah, and so as, as you guys have been building out this uh, entrepreneurship program, uh, you've also built a, an internship program for people that maybe aren't ready yet to start their own company uh, to go out and see what it's like, though, to work with a startup. Yeah, um, so we have essentially two tracks in our program. Uh, the first track is sort of our founder's track, and that's for kids that are really interested and excited about starting their own thing, and they know they want to start their own thing while they're in college. So we have a venture competition there. Uh, we are actively working on campus with approximately 35 business concepts. And for a small campus of 2,300, that's a lot. Um, and from those 30 concepts or so, 
um, in our venture competition, we'll launch seven companies, six companies a year based upon that. So in the last five years, we've launched 30 companies. Um, I'm happy to say that all of our companies that were launched in 2017 and 2016 are still active. They're still out there, um, you know, making things happen. And as we were sort of going through that process, we learned and the research tells us, sort of people who study entrepreneurship tell us that not everyone who's studying entrepreneurship wants to go off and found their own thing. In fact, 80% of all people who get degrees or have backgrounds in entrepreneurship don't immediately start a business the minute they sort of finish that degree. So we created what we call our leadership track and our internship program called Student Plus Startups is a critical component of giving people that experience. Yeah. So the the students and startup program, so what was the, the genesis of, of making this come together and happen? Because uh, as I affectionately call it, and I think it's, it's probably not, I'm certain I didn't coin this, but the Trinity bubble. So while maybe a lot of our listening audience has not heard about Trinity, Trinity campus students haven't heard about anything off of campus either. Well, that's actually true for a lot of colleges that are actually um, completely self-contained. So, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere in Iowa and if you've got a small college that's sort of the, the bubble, that's great. You, you don't really leave the bubble because your college town is the bubble. But when you're in a major metropolitan area, um, you want to find a way to be able to connect your campus to folks in the city. And so one exciting thing about how Student Plus Startup sort of was launched, and this was three years ago, um, we have a phenomenal partnership with the 8020 Foundation here in San Antonio, as well as with Geekdom. And so folks from the 8020 Foundation had just been to Detroit and they had seen this incredible intern program that Quicken Loans has in Detroit. We'd been talking with them about some projects we could do together, and we came up together with this great program called Student Plus Startups. And what it does is it provides in early stage companies, right? It's been focused in tech um, and in startups in that sort of tech space, um, is to provide outstanding college talent in the summer months for about 10 weeks during the summer for them to come on in and see what it's like to work in a startup. We think it's actually a phenomenal experience for students like ours um, because we teach uh, liberal arts and sciences and we have a this strong tradition and sort of having this critical thinking. We believe that that kind of training and that kind of background is ideally suited actually to be in a small business or in a startup environment. Because you have to wear so many hats, because you have to look at things from very multiple perspectives, um, you're constantly changing and pivoting and being reactive and, and responsive to what's going on in the marketplace. You're being nimble. And so those kind of skill sets are something that the liberal arts actually teaches. And so we are excited about having our students understand that the utility of, the, of, of their knowledge, the way in which you apply that, is ideally suited for a startup. So we're excited about this program because it did a lot of things for our students. One, for those students that were actually already in tech and computer science and, and in business, it really got them connected into the great sort of tech companies that are doing great things in San Antonio. We've historically had a really phenomenal track record of placing great talent in that space is to large enterprise, but really there was this huge opportunity in the emerging startup scene in San Antonio of connecting those students to, to this group. So it really helped them. But more broadly, for those students that had backgrounds that weren't necessarily, quote, in tech, it showed them the great opportunities that are in tech. And so we were excited to have students that were majoring in English and in history and in art history and in urban studies to be able to see how their education can help move and be part of a tech company. Yeah, you know, we had a, a freshman English major in interning with us a couple of years ago. And uh, 
that was pretty successful for you guys. Yeah, no, it was it was a great experience. And uh, I mean, it's how many places do you go where, as a freshman, over your, that summer, you have uh, an option to to go out and get involved in an internship program? Uh, not very many. Yeah, and and that's by design, right? So we we designed our program for students that are sort of rising sophomores through rising seniors. So they have an opportunity to have a summer intern experience in a local startup. Um, and what's been good has been we've been working with our startup partners, we've been working with 8020 Foundation and Geekdom to make a program that's not only good for students, but also a program that's really good for the startups as well. Yeah, and on one of our, our other interns from that summer is now working uh, in the building next door outside of our studio here across the street uh, for ScaleWorks. And that's actually one of the great outcomes we, we hope will come from this program. Um, so San Antonio has been phenomenal for Trinity, and we've been had a, a great experience in working and being part of the city now for 75 years. Um, and what we'd like to do is help continue to sort of provide that talent for the city. San Antonio has always looked to Trinity as being one of the first places they'd look for talent. Um, and while that's been true in large enterprise, like I said, we're, we're hoping to sort of bridge that in the startup scene. We recruit students internationally to come to San Antonio. 85% of our students are not from the San Antonio area. So if we can show them the excitement of what's it like to be part of the startup scene to see what's happening in startups in San Antonio, we're hopeful that the outcome like the student you mentioned is, is one of the things that happens. They see something that's happening here, they see an opportunity here, and they choose to, to remain in San Antonio as opposed to maybe going to, to another place in the world. Yeah, they yeah, are going back to, to uh, the country where they uh, were originally from and taking that great education there and, and using it, which is, is okay. Uh, we like that a little bit too. It's a uh, help bring the whole world up. But um, I'm a little selfish for San Antonio. I think we've got lots of great things going on here, and uh, as many of the kids as you can bring them into this city, I want to get them starting businesses in San Antonio. Well, that's that's that's, that's sort of an exciting outcome, right? So, you know, millennials today um, want to make an impact, and we're excited that working with partners like like Jungle Disc, working with others, startup partners that are providing these opportunities for these students they get to, in 10 weeks, have a tangible thing they can point to. And again, that's why we tailored this program specifically for startups. You have a higher likelihood of being able to get engaged in a project that will be executed on or that will be deployed or that will make significant progress for a small company as opposed to a large enterprise sort of company where you know the intern is doing a side project that I mean, at best it's, at the end it's of the like summer, the, the, the movie report. the google the the internship i mean like if you go to the big company it's a it's a 10 week long summer recruiting it's it not necessarily where you're actually going in and doing real work on a real project where you get to own it and make an impact yeah and 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 that's why we specifically crafted students plus startups in the way that we did we want to show for students the kind of impact you can have in a small business in a startup straight coming out of college and how we prepare you to be able to do that. But also for the startups, um, we wanna be able to provide for you someone who can come on in and move the ball forward. And what we tell our startups is that, you know, you've got a list of, you know, 10 things that, you're work that you have to work on, and on those, you're actively, like, really hitting it and focusing really hard on one through four, right? And I, our suggestion is have our intern work on project five, have our intern work on project six, so that any kind of movement you can make towards that we had an earlier conversation today about um, how it is with startups. Sometimes you you know you have a whole bunch of zeros on the board, and yeah. it's just making progress. No, it's just big big businesses are out there where they're doing everything that they need to do, and just over the course of time, they've had somebody go through and, and execute and build all these things. And inside of a large company, you may be trying to take something from a 
a B minus to an A minus, but there's not very many opportunities, yeah, to take that project number five that has a zero. Like you haven't even turned the assignment in yet, so you're going to do something for the first time. And as an intern, you're doing something for the first time. Even as an adult, you're doing something for the first time. You're probably not going to get an A minus the first time. But if you can go from a zero to a C, that's how you pass classes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's more than that. I mean, for a business, that's 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 moving your business forward. That's, oh yeah, it's that's huge. getting customers. Yeah. So if you can have someone come on in in a short period of time, take on a project, or or be added onto a team to be able to add and move things forward in a much more quicker way, you then have the opportunity to have a, that product be accelerated, to be able to serve your clients, to be able to serve your customers, and so you know to have our students participate in that experience for them is really exciting. And we also built it in talking to our startup partners to ensure that, that there are projects for them um, and how they craft that project with our students so that they actually have some sort of deliverables on that. But we also know, and I've also worked in, in startups as well, that you know talent is really hard to come by. Uh, you really want to find outstanding talent. And as a startup, you know every penny is really important. And so we help you on the talent side. Um, we recruit students into the pool. Uh, we're highly selective. You know that from the pool of students, you're going to get a rock star. Um, but we also know that um, fit is critical for you. So while we'll have a pool of students that you'll interview with, um, it's really up to you to find the right student that you'll ultimately then hire. Yeah. And, and with that as well, I'm going to give a big shout out and thank you to the 8020 foundation is uh for every dollar you as a startup put into this program the 8020 foundation my understanding matches that dollar for dollar still that's correct so um 8020 actually has been a phenomenal partner for this and and so it turns out the the company will be paying half of the salary and then 8020 picks up the rest the, the half of the salary their housing on campus, because I said most of them are not from San Antonio, so we provide housing for them during the summer. And then we also provide uh, some credit for them, some tuition, some credit for them. So 8020 picks up uh, the remainder of that tuition, the housing, the rest of their salary. They've been phenomenal partners in helping accelerate this. So if you're a Trinity student, you're listening to this and you hadn't heard about Louise's program yet, you can get paid over the summer to get credit hours at Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. My, my college never offered that. Um, well, actually, that's by design, right? So there, there's two major reasons we do that. Um, the first is that it provides for the companies and for the student an additional layer of oversight. It provides an additional layer of you know carrot stick so that we can ensure that progress is being made during the summer. There's someone on our end, on the university side, checking in on the student, checking in on the project, making sure things happen. But on the other end, you mentioned it about international students. Um, there are restrictions with regards to what international students actually can do. And so if you can actually have something that's credit bearing, that's related to their degree, they're able to work here and work as an intern. And so this provides then a huge opportunity for those students that are studying from other countries here in the United States to get to see what's it like to be part of a startup here in San Antonio. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I mean, that's been one that was exciting is uh, uh, our interns last summer, uh, two of three of them were uh, here in, in Trinity from other countries. And, and what's exciting is that, I mean, these are students that come from countries that have lots of choices after they graduate about where they want to go. 
Um, for they're sure. not looking at just going to Austin or looking to Dallas or looking to Houston for their cities to continue their careers. They're looking globally. And to have them know and to have them see that, wow, San Antonio is a place that I want to start my career. San Antonio is a place that I may want to go ahead and start a business or work in a startup in San Antonio is great for the city and I think really fantastic for the ecosystem. Yeah, no, I mean, as I, I ask some of them, what are you thinking about after school? They're like, well, I'm, I'm going to Singapore. I'm going to Madrid. I'm going to Paris. I'm going to Buenos Aires. Um, yeah, they're not even, yeah, as you said, they're not driving up I-35 to look at San Antonio versus Austin. Maybe we'll, we'll convince some of them to stay here. As I think if we can keep them in the U.S., San Antonio is uh, going to be the number one choice for most of them. I think as we get them out and start to expose them to really what's going on uh, outside of campus, they uh, see the magic that is happening in our tech corridor here in downtown San Antonio. Or eventually um, they decide that San Antonio is a place they want to expand that business they went off and built in Singapore, right? Or San Antonio is where they want to enter the U.S. market because of its accessibility to the Latin American space. Um or because of the, the great concentration of, of cybersecurity companies and, the, and what we're doing with cyber in the military. So, I mean, just that level of exposure of exposing our students, not only that are here from the United States and throughout Texas, but internationally to the great concentration of cybersecurity companies that are here in town, the great concentration of tech companies that are here in town, all the excitement that's happening in the startup scene is precisely the reason why we built Student Plus Startups. Uh, we've been discussing the Students Plus Startups uh, summer internship program, uh, their overall entrepreneurship uh, activities at Trinity, and given a little background uh, on the university and its journey uh, from uh, founding outside of San Antonio back in 1869 uh, to when it moved here, did you say 1942? 1942. 1942. So if you've just joined us uh, on air, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast and replay of this on March 20th. Uh, all of our episodes go online uh, on the Tuesday after our Saturday night airing uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com as well as on your favorite podcasting apps, uh, iTunes, Pocket Casts, or whatever you happen to else whatever else you happen to choose on your Android device. Uh, or if you uh, would love to see a still photo of Luis and I, you can watch us on YouTube as well. We have a channel there. Uh, if you have feedback and comments for uh, us on the program, uh, there's a, a Twitter or Facebook to reach us. It's CyberTalk Radio, pretty easy to find there and uh, get going. We're uh, going to break here in a few minutes for a news, traffic, and weather update at the bottom of the hour. If you are listening to us on the rebroadcast, uh, that'll just magically vanish. But if uh, you're on 1200 WAI, we'll give you that update here on your St. Patrick's Day evening. Uh, and then Luis and I will be uh, back to talk about how do you manage a college intern over summer. So and this is universally valuable advice. So uh, you're going to have interns coming in even if they aren't from the Students and Startup Program. Uh, we're going to head into summer here. Uh, if you're also an intern and thinking about coming out, um, you're going to get to hear Luis's advice for your new boss. And adding into that universal advice, uh, we're going to pick Luis's brain a little bit. As the head of an entrepreneurship program, uh, maybe you're not going to Trinity and you won't be in the program, but we'll see over the uh, radio here what we can teach you about entrepreneurship in 10 minutes on uh, how to start your own business. We'll hit the few high points and get you going and pointed in the right direction. With that students and startup program that we were talking about, Luis, this is the third year of it. What are your goals for this program over time? Yeah, so this is the third year of our program. Uh, we started as a pilot uh, two years ago. We're at the end of our pilot stage. Uh, we started with 18 students specifically focused in tech. Uh, last year, we scaled to about 38, 40 students or so, and we, we played with some other areas. Uh, this year, we're at 
over 60. We're looking at 60 plus interns for this program uh, with really sort of focusing on the central sort of downtown tech district here in San Antonio. Uh, in future years, we'll be expanding it uh, first to those San Antonio area institutions that are interested in participating with us in Student Plus Startups. So we're excited to be including UTSA next year as one of our key partners and having them participate in Student Plus Startups. And then our eventual goal, and we're, we're super excited about the support we're getting from the AB20 Foundation, their vision is to build a national 300 intern program, 300, 500 interns from around the country that come and spend the summer in San Antonio working at tech startups, working at startups in San Antonio, and participating in the building of this great city. It sounds like you're a startup of your own, doubling year over year. We are. We've been growing and, um, and going through those uh, growing pains of actually doubling our program every year, and it's been fantastic. Uh, um, we've been learning with each iteration the things to do, so we're, we're grateful that for the first three years, we've been able to really focus on Trinity and its students and how to build that program specifically with them and getting that sort of book out before we sort of get ready to go ahead and expand that case um, example or, and, and to other universities. Uh, I look forward to, to next year's speed interviews, uh, having to be at the Lori Auditorium, and maybe the year after that you're going to have to talk to SAISD about Alamo Stadium across the street. <laughs> well, that would be a vision. It's, it's not clear how we're going to incorporate that element of, of the program uh, when we descale to become a national program. But our goal is to show the world what incredible things are happening in San Antonio and to help be that influx of fantastic collegiate millennial talent into San Antonio and to connect that post. That's wonderful. So we are going to take a quick break here and we will be back with Luis Martinez to talk about entrepreneurship and how to manage a college intern. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Luis Martinez from Trinity University. And if you were with us before that news, traffic, and weather update, uh, we're going to talk about how to start your own business. Uh, he runs the entrepreneurship program at Trinity and has uh, offered to uh, share some education here over the air uh, without you having to enroll. So, Luis, thank you for, for that. Uh, give a little teaser. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so um, I... In the next, what, 10 minutes? 10 like you're, minutes, You're going to yeah. do a four-year degree in entrepreneurship. No, um, we're, but we're hopefully going to uh, po point folks in the right direction, give them some of the, the key high-level concepts from your perspective. Sure. So um, there's lots of great people that are doing amazing work on how to start businesses and startups. And so we've been fortunate to sort of have those lessons that have been learned and be able to sort of share what, where, what we see where we currently are is the state-of-the-art in contemporary sort of entrepreneurship education. Um, so a lot of our sort of what we teach is drawn from the experience of what we see in tech startups, primarily in Silicon Valley. Um, but we find that those rules are broadly applicable. So um, there's basically four basic elements that you need that to be able to execute well and to start something on a business. Um, the first is you need an it, right? You need an idea that you can do something with. Um, a lot of people, and it's, it's interesting, I see this with our students, like they think that, well, it's the company, it's the it that comes first. And what we try to let people know is that it's the it that actually comes last. 
the thing that comes first is what's a problem that somebody has that you want to be able to solve or better what's a problem that somebody has that you're passionate about solving um and that passion is really critical right um if you're not passionate about solving someone's problem if you don't have what you think is the right idea or the right breakthrough or the right special sauce that you know is going to be the solution for that or that's going to help someone's problem or solve someone's problem then you're just going to be like somebody else um and so on your it you know when you think about that company you think the thing you're working on what's fundamentally the problem that you're solving for somebody so look at the problem and then who is the customer and the customer is the person who pays um, and it's interesting. A lot of us think, well, I'm going to solve a problem for somebody and that somebody is the user or the beneficiary, but ultimately someone pays. I, I tell my students like who here paid their, their Twitter or their Facebook bill this week. And they look at me like I'm like this old guy cause they're on Snapchat. Um, and I remind them that like, that's a perfect example where they're the users. In fact, if anything, they're the product. Yeah, there's someone else who's paying to use those platforms. So, you know, in some cases, as you think about a business idea, yeah, you, you think about who the beneficiary is, but ultimately, like, who's the person who's paying real money? So who has a problem that you can solve? And then while profit's important, you know, if you don't have a profitable business, you have a hobby, right? Um, what is the value that you are going to create in solving that problem? Our, our focus is to have our students focus on building value. That value can be economic value. Uh, that's the profit side. But also there are people that are focused on building social value or they're interested in building sort of economic, uh, um, environmental value. And so how is it that you build that value for that customer, for that user in solving that problem? So what's the value proposition for that customer that you can solve that problem for them? And then ultimately, what's your it that pulls that all together? Um, so, you know... What's your it? That's the first part. And so the tool that we use that a lot of people are, are utilizing is called the, the Lean Canvas or the Business Model Canvas. It's sort of the state of the art in contemporary education. And what's, what's fantastic about that particular tool is that you can use that tool for any organization, nonprofit, for-profit, small startup company at, in an idea stage, well-established for-profit institution. You can use it for your Girl Scout troop. You can use it for a nonprofit. It's it's a great phenomenal tool. Yeah, it, and distills everything down into one page. It's one page, nine components. Um, so you can count all the components on one hand. Um, as I said, uh, on the lean canvas, you've got the problem, the customer, the value proposition, the, the it, your solution. Uh, there's this thing called channels, which is how you reach your customer. Um, then there's obviously when you reach your customers and provide that value for somebody, you should get paid. So there's revenue is the next component. And then all this stuff costs money, right? And there's cost. Yeah. The last two components on the Lean Canvas, as you think about building a business, are metrics, which are like, what does success look like? And while on a for-profit company, obviously it's, you know, dollars and revenue and those kinds of metrics, but, but what are the other kind of metrics that you need to use and look at to know that you're moving the ball forward, to know that you're actually moving things Cause forward? Because if, if you measure the money, it's, it's a lagging indicator. It's the, and it's the last thing. You'll notice that you're either making a lot of money or you're running out of money after you've done lots of other things wrong. So you want to find those leading indicators further up the, the, the food chain. So exactly. as like in the, the restaurant business, if you've got people coming in, and they're smiling when they leave, and they're happy, and they're talking to their friends as they walk out about coming back again. 
then you can take those smiles and you're going to know that you've got repeat business and happy customers that are going to refer. But if you serve people bad food and they're walking on the way out and they're saying, I'm never coming back here again, well, right now in the restaurant, you both made the same amount of money from that customer. So today right. the revenue piece looks exactly the same, but the future of where that business is headed is dramatically different. Well, and that's actually a, a phenomenal opportunity for, for people that are both starting businesses and, 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 and entrepreneurs. What are you doing to delight your customers? And, and I use that, and in, 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 in I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, and, and it's a hard question. Like, are, is your customer delighted with what you're doing? And the reason why that question is important is it is three to five times less expensive to acquire, to, sorry, to retain a customer than it is to acquire a new customer. So I tell my students, like, acquire your customer once. Like, get him, get her once, and then keep him. Like, love them, make them super happy, get them to the point where they promote your business and they're telling their friends that you, you're offering great service, that you're offering great product. That ability for you to attract that customer once and then retain them will be the money in the bank essentially so so that's a critical component sort of sort of metrics and then the last thing in that sort of nine part component of a lean canvas is unfair advantage so you know what is the unfair advantage that you have over everybody else so this lean canvas actually um, um ash in, in austin actually developed a, um, wrote a book about this about sort of the the, the lean startup not the lean startup but the lean canvas methodology the lean startup methodology is actually in silicon valley with a book called the lean startup by eric reese and so we distill that as part of the it component in starting the business. There's another three components that are really important to that. Um, the next component is mentoring. Um, and so as a founder, um, it doesn't matter whether or not you're in a food company or in a cybersecurity company. You need to be able to tap into other folks to serve as mentors, to serve as peers, to tell you this is where the potholes are to show you, like, when we did this, this is a solution to how to do that. I mean, I'm sure that for Jungle Disc, mentoring has been a critical aspect of how your success has been. Yeah, yeah. One of the, another San Antonio entrepreneur and, and author, uh, Lorenzo Gomez, has got in his book, Cilantro Diaries, talks about the, your personal board of directors. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and it's important to be able to have that set of folks you can go to to have a conversation about um, issues, questions, uh, just sanity checking you. Because in the startup world, you're often trying things that you're not sure if it's going to work. And failing's okay, but it's not ideal. Ideally, no. you would like to try stuff and at least get a passing grade on it, and then you can iterate on it from there. Because if you're constantly trying things that don't yield any results, eventually you're going to go out of business. Uh, so, yeah, that, that mentorship board of talking to folks to just sanity check your ideas a lot of times because – in a startup, it should feel a little bit crazy. If not, then you're not going to have that unfair advantage. If it feels Correct. like something that someone else is already exactly doing, you're just going to copy it, you're not going to get an unfair advantage. Correct. And so the mentors are, are really important. And and investors can be fantastic mentors, and, and your, you know your attorney and your accountant can be great mentors, but they're viewing the world from a different perspective. Um, you know, a, a, as an active investor, if I'm mentoring a company and I have an investment in that company, I'm going to look at them and tell them different things because I'm interested in my own return on investment. Um, so you really want sort of mentors that don't have those conflict of interests, either real or, or, or just the appearance of conflict of interest. You want that honest feedback from someone. So that's a, the, the next sort of critical component. Um, the third, and, you know, I just got to give you, you know, you know, credit for what you've been doing here at Jungle Disk, um, team. Um, the next component that you need as part of a, a business is you, you need to have the right team. 
it's awful hard to do something all by yourself. Um, it, you, it's impossible. You can't. I mean, you can juggle for a while, but it gets exhausting. You can't. And so who is your team? Um, that team can be the other co-founders, the other people who who are you know ultimately responsible for the success of the company. But then as you grow, um, you're going to be adding on folks to your team. And so that team component is a critical aspect of your business. And that's everything from hiring and hi- making sure that you're hiring people that have got the skill sets and that have got the attitudes and that have got the, the background to move your company forward. But it's also things like culture and mission and values as a company. Does everyone buy into your values? Does everyone buy into your mission? And this is one that I see I see startups and even big companies making a, a huge mistake on. So if let's say you're going from 10 employees to 20 employees right. and your 10 employees are people you knew for a long time and you all had a shared value set and a, a shared interest, so you had a common culture and you hire a recruiting firm to get you those next 10 employees and the recruiting firm you usually give them a list of skills. I need people that can do X, Y, and Z. And then you hire these 10 people in and they have a completely different value set. They have a completely different view on what a company culture should be. Now you've just changed your company culture, especially you go to that next set of hires and you've got 30 people now and 20 of the people came through this recruiting firm that you hired to bring people in with skills. And now they now they outnumber the original group you have. So this is how folks will not realize that they've turned over their company culture um, just without even noticing it. And that, that, that's, that's an important aspect that sometimes gets lost in, in a startup, right? You, you, you've got stuff to do. You've got developers to hire. You've got this talent pool that you've got to fill in. You, you've, you've got to move this thing forward. And so you'll just hire them not really thinking about the critical component of fit and culture. So team is really super important. No one should be thinking about starting a company without having some real serious thought at the beginning about like who are the people who are going to be part of this. Yeah. And then where where are the next 100 people going to come from? Because by the time you actually need to hire those 100, if you just start thinking about it then, it's too late. It is way too late. And, 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 and that corporate culture, that philosophy then as a founder then carries forward, right? So if you know a critical value for you, and I'll just use a, a quick example, is making sure that you return a phone call 24 hours after it comes in on, a, on your inline. Then, then when you become a huge company, and if you don't have that as a critical value, then congratulations. That's going to be one of the first things that's going to get lost unless it's part of your culture. There was a great study that was shown um, that those large public companies that still had active founder engagement in those companies, and this is even when you take out companies like Apple with Steve Jobs or, or Facebook, even when you take out all the tech companies, have market caps that are five to ten times higher than those companies that don't have founders actively engaged. Yeah, you look at uh, one of our San Antonio uh, success stories here uh, that started at the San Anthony Hotel, Herb Keller and and Southwest Airlines. Uh, He's been there and been able to keep that culture consistent through all the years. And uh, I mean, I think they're the only airline that jokes with the safety announcement, and they allow that. They allow their employees to still have that creative freedom. So this is one where you're in a highly regulated industry, and it's like folks go, well, now we're just big. We have to be serious. We can't have fun anymore. And Southwest is my perfect example of you're never too big or too regulated to still have a little bit of fun. And it goes down to sort of values as a company that you start with. And so if you can articulate what those values are at the beginning when you're still at writing it down on a napkin or on a notebook, um, that's really critically important for the success of your company. Uh, and then the last thing is capital, right? Um, now, 
you know, it's it's sexy. Everyone likes to watch Shark Tank and 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 get that investment and see what Mr. Wonderful's going to do. Like 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 it's 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 great. But that's just, you know, a tiny fraction of a percentage of the kind of businesses that are out there. And it's also a tiny fraction of how it is that businesses get funded. Most businesses get their capital by bootstrapping it. They, they build their business by the customers that they have. They don't take anyone else's money. Um, or it's literally, you know, this is the money that I have saved and this is what I'm going to use to go ahead and start my company. Or I've gotten a loan from my friends, my families, my coworkers, my partners. Um, so, like, where is that source of capital coming from? How are you structuring that capital to ensure that you can go ahead and move forward? Not everyone has to take equity. Um, if it turns out that taking that equity um, and having that investment then accelerates your growth or it reduces an incredible amount of risk or, or it, it really enables you to do something in one year that it ultimately would have taken you five years to do, then that's a smart idea. But it doesn't have to happen all yeah. the time. No, I mean, you know, most, most businesses out there get started with the, the money of the founders. Um, and even if it's not directly the money of the founders, folks are giving up opportunity to do other things uh, over time. So it's that, that side hustle. It's your time and energy where you, you could have had a second job or if you're a university student and you're working on a startup, you could have um, had a job along with your classes uh, instead of starting your own business. So you're putting your time in. And you should look at that as investment in the business. Like, what is your time worth individually, or what is the time worth of all the people on your team that you're putting in? So, because uh, if this is is one where I think folks don't think about, well, how much have I invested in this? Or you'll get asked by your in, uh, prospective first investor if you are going to go raise some money from somebody. Well, what do you have into this? Well, you can go. Exactly. I have eighteen hundred hours, and so do these five other people. So that's worth four hundred thousand dollars into this business. I think uh, one of the things entrepreneurs. Um, and you really need to be judicious and careful with is what do you spend your time on because there's there's not uh, an infinite set of resources to address everything, um, but then also just really what is the value of that time? Right, and, and, and what value are you building for your company or your brand or your product or your service by spending the time that you're spending? Um, so, you know, those are the four critical components, right? It, your, your product, your service, your company, the it, and you can use Lean Canvas or Business Model Canvas, which is another tool that you utilize to analyze that. Mentoring is a critical component, your team, and then obviously capital. capital. If you've got those four legs, then the table of your business can so, stand. So now this business is standing. It's got a little bit of capital, and it can afford to hire its first students plus startup interns. So now I'm, I'm running my, my fictitious company here. I'm ready to hire an intern. So uh, what would you recommend uh, for those folks out there bringing an intern on for the first time that they're going to manage uh, to make that college intern successful for their summer program? Well, first, a little background. So, um, you know, the rules have changed. The Department of Labor, you know, has been very strict about the kinds of experiences that an intern does in a company. So, you know, the olden days where come on in and work for free and like we'll get a lot of work out of you and at the end of the day maybe you get a nice little recommendation or maybe you can say and put this on your resume uh, that doesn't exist anymore so if you are dedicated and interested in getting top tier intern talent congratulations you're gonna have to pay them just like you pay any employee so if you're not ready to pay for an intern then you're probably not ready for an intern um, so you need to make sure that you've got the capital to be able to go ahead and pay them something. Um, I'm not telling you what it is you have to pay them, but you should know that 
yeah. that be to fair. Be competitive, you need to be fair. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that you know if this intern is going to be managed with the university. Um, is this something that they're working with the university for credit or is it something that's not happening for credit? Um, is it something that even if it's an unpaid internship and unpaid internships because of the Department of Labor, there's like a six part rule on when it can be deemed to be unpaid. Yeah. So um, we always tell people like just assume you're going to pay them. Yeah. Um, neither of us are lawyers, but we're both going to tell you our business person perspective is at least pay the minimum wage. Just simplify your life. It, it makes things a lot easier. So, so once you know you know you're going to have an intern. Once you know you're going to pay them, then you know is this part of a formal university sort of agreement or part of a class that the student is staying? Because you, as a company, need to know like what they want on their end. Is there paperwork that you need to sign? Are there rules and regulations that you have to fulfill as part of the university's requirements that you have to do? Um, some of it are, are really straightforward, and you know, you know, don't sexually harass your employees. You know, don't, don't, don't provide them sort of uh, things that are illegal don't don't have them do anything illegal don't have them do anything that's gonna like you know cause an international incident you know there's they're, they're sort of these basic rules that you have to do that any good employer has um, but there are other rules that universities have as well with regards to how much time they're dedicating on the project uh, what kind of level of communication you're gonna have with who the instructor of record is on the university side or how much interaction the student has to have with folks at the university. So, so know up front sort of what those kind of rules and regulations are. And every university has, uh, has them in a different place and they, they're, they're either in like the School of Business or the, the computer science department or they might be in like the Office of Career Services or there might be an office of like internships or experiential learning where that kind of information lives. Um, so what are the rules? You know, you're going to have to pay them and what the interaction with the university is. And then the next thing you want to know is like, well, now let's get some good talent. So there's lots of ways to do that. Most universities have um, their own kind of, you know, jobs available, internships available. So you need to know and draft a sort of position description of what that job entails. The same thing that you would be posting on any other the sort of the job sites. What does that description look like? And make sure it gets to the university for them to post in their own internal system. And then you can either allow that to sort of grow organically. But what I tell folks is that, you know, what's your hook? What's your in? Um, is there a connection that you'd like to establish or already have with faculty, particularly um, in a department or in a college that is where you want to be drawing those interns? Because it really is that one-on-one -on -one sort of um, recommendation that is the most valuable. If you tell a faculty member and you're looking for someone in marketing or you tell a faculty and looking for someone in, in cyber and looking for a coder, hey, I'm looking for someone, here's the description, we're going to pay them, they're going to have this great experience. And that faculty member says, oh, I know three students, I will tell him or tell them and tell her to come and work for you immediately. That connection is, is really very powerful. Oh, Dr. So-and-so has asked me to go ahead and do this internship. Well, um, like we, we talked about off air first, I said, uh, when you got here, I said, would love to have an associate producer for CyberTalk Radio as an intern over the summer here. So if you're listening right now and want to be an associate producer over the summer, uh, reach out to us on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. We've got all this great content. Um, there's all sorts of ways I think we could get it back out to our audience uh, online. Uh, we have base podcasts up of the whole episodes on iTunes uh, and Android podcasting services, but there's so much more that we could do with all of the, the great interviews we've been able to uh, have on the program here over the last year and a half. Yeah, so, so what's critical for that, though, is also as a company, write a description of yeah. what it is that you'd like that intern to do. Um, have 
upfront what the expectations are with regards to the time, but also can you give the intern some sort of understanding as to what the project is? Um, and for most college interns, I mean, I know this happens, um, but for most college interns, their goal isn't to grab your coffee. Um, their goal is not to go be filing your paperwork. Uh, their experience is not to be sharpening your pencils. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that there is an actual project that will provide the intern a, a, a valuable educational experience um, and hopefully do it in a way that moves some of the kinds of projects that it is that you'd like to do as part of your business forward. People want to do meaningful work and know that they're valued. That's what everyone wants. And so, you know, if an intern knows that they're going to be doing meaningful work with you and for you, there's a higher likelihood that their engagement is going to be higher. There's a higher likelihood that the success is going to be greater. There's a higher likelihood that you might actually be able to surprise, surprise, pre-select them for an eventual opening that might happen in your organization. So the best, better job that you can do as a hiring company on your intern of articulating what it is it you'd like them to do and drafting a position description or drafting what that job would look like is sort of really important. So great, so you've checked with the university, you've known what the paperwork is, you know internally what you can and not what you can pay them and offer them. And you also now at this point actually have a description sort of fully filled out. Then you go off, you go off and recruit, you look for them. And back to small businesses, you got to interview them. You got to make time to go ahead and make sure that that fit is critical and important. Yeah. And, and have them as a, a business, my big recommendation, have them come to your office for the interview. Don't just go interview them on campus. Uh, one of the, the faux pas I've seen over time is that they'll come do recruiting on campus and the students will say yes to the internship because they are all really want to have an internship. They want to be able to put that on their resume. Right. And then they'll, they'll find out that like it's really inconvenient or near impossible for them to get from their campus to your office location. Um, many of the college students don't necessarily have transportation, especially as you get into some of the more uh, urban campus environments in uh, larger cities around here. And if your office is not easy to get from point A to point B on public transit or a bicycle or walking, um, their internship experience with you could be miserable for the sole issue of transport to and from work. Well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Luis. We are uh, ending time here. If you're with us on St. Patrick's evening, have a good night. Stay safe out there. Um, if you've been uh, enjoying some green beer up and down the river walk, please uh, get yourself home safely. Do not drive yourself if you've had one too many. And if you're interested in Students Plus Startups, that website is studentstartups.com.